Hi, I'm Seth Andrews. I'm host of TheThinkingAtheist.com. And I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Coming at you from the New York sewers, this is Left in the Valley. My name is Kevin and my sores are sharp. Joining me as usual is the half-shell team of living in the shadows eating pizza. She'll teach you a history lesson with her bull staff, Nancy. That's me, that's me. Hi, everybody. Glad to see you. These skewless Christian ninjas with a size, Tyler. Heroes in the half-shell. Total power. And he'll nunchuck your ass with a cowabunga, Kevin. I think Tyler is actually a peeping Tom. Guys, welcome back. Are you ready to fight for off the shredder of superstition? You darn tootin'. Yeah, reference to Ninja Turtles, obviously. Cowabunga. Let's have at it. Hope you guys had a good week. Welcome back. (laughs) No. Today we're actually going to be talking to uh, Michael Smith, one of the co-hosts of Poorly Summarized Podcast, a podcast I highly recommend. It's really fun. Uh, But in the meantime, let's do a bit of chit-chat. What do you guys think about the uh, U.S. courts? Uh, fighting the travel ban by uh, President Trump. Anybody want to say something Absolutely about Absolutely awesome. It just shows that the president can't do whatever the hell he wants, even though that's what I think Trump thought he was getting. Yeah. And he just got shut down. I mean, it's a real test. It's kind of like seeing, could somebody similar to Hitler exist in the United States? And we're just proving that, no, they can't have absolute power. I'm denied. I'm very happy to see that the United States is, like, banding together and, like, like all organized demonstrations against Trump are getting bigger and like more powerful. Now they're talking about mm-hmm. shutting down the country for like February seventeenth. It, well, it, it shows the beauty of the Constitution as written. The the founding fathers um, devised a system of checks and balances, and whether it's Trump or Obama mm-hmm. or you or me, it's the Constitution that um, guides yeah. whether or not something is legal or illegal and. People who are um, strong enough in the courts to be able to use the, con- the the Constitution, regardless of who is president or whether they like him or dislike him, that that's the beauty of this. Yeah, and in, in a constitutional republic like the United States, uh, it shows that you did not elect a king; you elected a president. Exactly. And there are some some mm-hmm. checks, although you know he is he seems to be moving to remove some of the obstacles in his way. Mm. Like any businessman would do, I guess. But yeah, you know. he's firing everybody who doesn't agree with him. Exactly. No, I mean the the the, the courts, when they're well balanced, um, come with with correct decisions. When the courts can be politically stacked the way they are, either to the right or to the left, you can get some rulings that. Uh, need to be overturned at a, at a later time, and mm-hmm. or they, they have rulings that people live with that cause more harm than good. Exactly. Well, so many people were saying that Obama was just using all these executive orders to do whatever he wanted, and that's just not the case. There are checks and balances involved in the system. It's not perfect, but there is some peer review, and the fact that these judges are just shutting him down just... Kind of shows that it works. It's a good experiment to see yeah, yeah. how crazy you could get in the United States. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see uh, how it goes, how far it goes. So speaking of crazy, this is from The Guardian. 
Hmm. The U.S. ambassador to Canada could be Sarah Palin. Ah! Well, she can see it from her front porch, yeah. so I guess... I'm sorry, I gotta I got to tell to our American audience, our American friends out there, leave your crazy queen out of my country! Well, <laughs> We don't want her here! Well, Trudeau is going to have a nice little chat with Trump next week, so I'm hoping... She'll probably flirt with him too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she'll probably try to get him then. Everyone wants Trump yeah, to know. I'm, I'm bow hoping down he says no, 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 no. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not even sure if it, he has any say in that. Does he have a say? Well, no. I don't think well, so. Well, when he comes back, maybe he'll let us know. I mean, it, why wouldn't he have a say though? Well, because the embassy is actually foreign soil, right? Yeah, but Canada would still have a say. Well, they have a say whether or not there's an embassy in the country. You don't think I don't think you have a say whether or not you pick such a, such an ambassador. Oh, I, hope I don't so. know. If somebody knows, send, they they send us an email. I think they do, actually. I'll, okay. I'll find something after the yeah. show. Well, you don't know what happens in private conversations. You know, you think of all this stuff as being, well, one country doesn't have a say in another. But, you know, right now, Trump has got the Japanese ambassador, I mean, the uh, prime minister. You, you, do you think that they're not talking about Trump hotels? Oh, I'm sure do they you are. Think <laughs> that they're, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's things that, that they discuss that oh. we... Unless someone writes a book I, that's I been I in the room. I don't want more. You, you know this is going to get serious if you see Kevin O'Leary starting to talk with Sarah Palin. You know, this is this is going to get nuts at that point. Ah, um, on something a bit hey, light. if we get Sarah Palin, we can send Kevin O'Leary as an ambassador to <laughs> the U.S. Yeah, wait. <laughs> that's Mercer. No, I would go for that. Yeah. She, she does accept evolution, though, which is good. <laughs> that, that's a fact. Yeah, she also thinks there's actually witch doctors too. Well, um, she she said that she would be good for being the vice president because she could deal with Russia because she could see them from Alaska. I'm like, okay, those are your credentials. Yeah, you uh, live close to Russia. She could see job. Canada from Alaska too. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we're only three weeks into the new administration. I know, I know. This is great. This is, this is great for us podcasters for sure yeah. and comedians. And for Canadians, actually, with uh, Tr- uh, Trudeau. Backing out on his electoral reform thing—that's pretty big. That's here. that's a big thing. Yeah, that's a big thing. A lot of people are talking about that, and I think I think he's making a mistake. I understand some of the reasons why he's doing that, but I I, I think he's making a mistake, and it's gonna it's gonna harm him in the long term. Making a mistake with what? Uh, uh, electoral, reform. electoral reform. Oh yeah. Well, I have my own thoughts on that. Yeah. It, it made sense back then. It just doesn't make sense now. Yeah. So we should reform it. Well. I think Canada was supposed to do some electoral reform, and Trudeau shut it down. From what I understand, yeah, does anybody know anything about that? I didn't quite catch it all. Yeah, that's what we're just talking about. Like he he wants to like he backed out on his campaign yeah, his promise was to ch- change the last uh, past uh, the post uh, system. Uh, that was supposed to be the last election with him being elected like that, but it turns out it's not going to be for Canada. Though? Yeah, for Canada, yeah. the electoral. System for Canada? Yeah. Yeah, but what is he supposed to change? To something more uh, uh, um, representational of the population. Every vote counts. Yeah. Instead of the first... What do they call it? The STV? Yeah. Something uh, like that. Well, we vote for members of parliament as long as they get more than... It's like 308 seats or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So 155 seats and you got a majority government. That's sort of the idea is like to get rid of that, like the first person to get that amount of votes gets into the seats and like, you know. Exactly. I mean, for example, in, uh, for example, if you're a green voter under the current system, even though about uh, something like 8% of the population of the country votes green, there are no green representation right now. Under a new system, there would be some green representatives in the, uh, in, in the parliament. 
A couple at least, right? But we don't want a completely like divided house where everything's always politically locked plate. Oh, locked. exactly. It might it might always come out to uh, being a minority government all the time in coalitions. I renew my objection to this pointless endeavor. Informally now and by affidavit later. Time permitting. Uh, so I couldn't understand some of his reasons for backing out, uh, but at the same time, you did promise to do that. So that's true. Yeah, so let's just copycat Denmark and completely take out private money altogether. Because right now, totally agree with that. Oh, right yeah. now, there's like a cap of fifteen hundred dollars or something like that. But Denmark just has it be publicly funded, right? Well, actually, we should uh, we should try to get some of the guys from a uh, uh, Politicoast. Uh, they're a political uh, podcast on the show, and we could totally discuss that. Oh, that would be where awesome. Yeah. They're right here in Vancouver, I believe. Oh, are they? Yeah, so we should really try to get a hold of you guys. Um, On something a bit lighter, um, the CBC says for 2018, which would be Canada's 150th anniversary, they will release a herd of bison in Banff. The bison will be returned to Banff after being gone from there for 140 years. Are they bringing back I souvenirs they, and stuff? I think or? they've already done it. I saw, I saw <laughs> oh, something on Facebook. They've, on they've sort of pre-released they, some. Yeah, a, a few were there. Yeah, it yeah. was beautiful to see them. But they're supposed to completely let them loose. Yeah. Uh, by by 2018, and uh, they're going to be roaming free wild bisons. Oh, it's a beautiful post, yeah. you know, because they, they airlifted them, and then the minute it hit the ground, <laughs> they opened up. Just in time to trample Sarah Palin. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. And they're, now they're collector's items. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, great news also for uh, women talking about uh, breaking the glass ceiling. The first woman to win the prestigious Field Medal Award, which is for math. Uh, this is given out every four years, and her name is Miriam, I'm going to butcher this, Mirzak Honey. Yeah! And she's from Iran. And uh, she's the first woman to win that in uh, at least 78 years. Good for her. Awesome. Finally, getting, yeah. finally getting recognition, you know, for all of the women who, I'm sure, did work just as good. But oh, yeah, were, absolutely. Were absolutely. recognized. So now we're Statistically, on Statistically, though, path. like, more men do still enter mathematics. Yeah, yes. It's one of these, uh, I think they have a problem with the STEMs, uh, what they call the STEM, which is uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, fields, uh, there's still more men than women, but women are, com- are coming on strong, and it's good to see that a female winner of that award Absolutely. It's like a Nobel the, Prize of the, math. The timing, yeah. I think, is good because of the m- movie that came out that I really would like to see called Hidden Figures, mm. which has to do with uh, the women who, um, during world, during, um, I have to stop and think. Anyway, women who um, were were math um, professionals mm-hmm. and worked with the uh, the guidance programs for the rockets okay. I think during the, the 50s or 60s I know I know that's not correct because you I, mentioned I that remember. in one of your this but day in histories never, Nancy they yeah. Ne- yeah they never got the credit and partly they didn't get the credit because they also happened to be black yes mm-hmm. so that's they right. had the double yes, whammy yes, yes. but the the movie is supposed to be absolutely splendid I've known I, I know some people who have seen it. Yep. So it's in the same thing. Now she gets a, a uh, finally recognition, and the movie comes out at the same time. So Do you remember funny. we did a show, this is like a, a couple of years ago, we did a show on uh, Forgotten Women of History, we and we had the uh, top ten women of science or something like that. Because yeah. women in science, you think Mary Curie right away, and that's about it. right? That's all you can Emily think of. Earhart. Well, that's not science. <laughs> that, that is a science. Well, like, I don't know. Aviation is a science. Well, definitely. yeah, but okay, but if she had the yeah. design she of a plane, a plane. She she's a pilot. Flew, yeah. yeah, it's a science. It's oh. definitely a science. I don't know. Well, who, who we know how to fly because who, of aviation. Who confirmed E equals MC squared? 
Who confirmed? Yeah, who did the actual experiments where they showed that once you kind oh, of that obliterate was, uh, uranium? That was, um, I don't know. That was actually uh, Einstein's housekeeper. Say what? Um, no. Everything squared away. <laughs> Ex- exper- experimentally, it was a female Jew in Germany, and then she kind of got the boot out of there, and her colleague actually took the credit for it. Yes, that happened a lot. That was typical back then. Yeah. Yes, it was. Well, and that's probably one of the biggest experiments in forever. I mean, yeah. actually confirming that when you destroy an atom or something like uranium mm-hmm. that the amount Very of exciting. joules yeah. produced is the same amount of energy that's huge the, that nu- the nuclear field owes a lot to women it really does oh, absolutely. it really no, it does. does they they so seldom got the got the credit they weren't given yeah. the title no. they weren't given the same seat at the at the table but they worked just as hard and so many times the results were superior to what was being produced at the time and yet still they were seriously. ignored for what they what they did. You better never call us not feminist on this show. It's well, like, I, 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 yeah. I, f- I feel the need to be open that in the last probably six months, I thought that there was a gender pay gap. And I had a friend of mine challenge me on it. We went back and forth for hundreds of comments. And I was, I was pretty heated about it. But in the end, I had to concede that I was wrong. It's, it's a gender earning gap, not a gender pay gap. There's you know, that whole mm-hmm. 79 cents yeah. rule or blah, blah. It's a bunch of bullshit. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I, I think I think a lot of people are swayed by that. And also, if, from my experience, uh, it also depends on the field, right? Uh, if you're working at Starbucks, I really don't think the female barista makes less than the male barista. All equal. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same oh, thing. One of the, girl, one of the women baristas is at Starbucks who actually sued because she was, I don't know whether it's Starbucks, but something similar, where she and a buddy who happened to be a male were hired at the same time and they got talking and it turns out she was hired for 15 cents less than he was. I'm I'm thinking it was at McDonald's, was it Starbucks, but it it was definitely... Is not the nickel and diving things to death here? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Here's your nickel back. They've done a lot of studies to find out that people doing the same identical jobs, like whatever, a university professor teaching this exact same thing, they do make the same amount of money. The problem is biology isn't fair. A, A lot of women end up raising kids by yes. themselves dropping out of the workforce so they're not a- and that's what they factor it's kind of like the child child mortality or the life expectancy mm-hmm. where they okay. say well, you your life expectancy was 30 back then mm-hmm. uh, but people lived to be 70 the reason that ch- it's because of child mortality that brings it down it's the same thing with the women who end up getting pregnant the average single the world averages yeah. well so, Tyler you can you can quote all the studies you want to but I lived through it inconceivable I and I you know I've had jobs uh, I taught school and many 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 of the women who were doing exactly the same job in the classroom and the same grade levels were not paid mm, the yeah. same amount and the philosophy the male philosophy at that time is well women live in households where the the husband is making enough yeah. to be well, and it used to, to be, be true no yeah. you're right it used to be but true but it doesn't make any difference they're doing the same job well but the question is is are we are we still facing that today? i'm talking yeah. I'm i think so. I think, so I think to some extent in that sounds like a jobs, show we'll have to do a show with i will. think in some in some jobs th- okay. that's true we'll have to do Not a show but in the meantime it's in time meantime. to move on <laughs> with 
Our day in history. Oh boy, here we go. In history, a roundup of those events and people that altered and illuminated the days between February the 6th to February the 12th. Starting with February the 8th, Chinese New Year, and it's the year of the rooster. Anybody here a rooster? Do you need to know that the... the uh, Not really, but... <laughs> yeah, the rooster is um, 1957, 69, 81, and 93. So I just pulled those because I thought that would that would match. So none of, none of you guys are nope. rooster. Okay, moving up. But there are a lot of people who are celebrating, and a happy, happy year of the rooster to, to those who are. February the 9th is Extraterrestrial, Extraterrestrial Visitor's Day, Pizza Day, and Read in the Bathtub Day. I just love it when Read in the like Bathtub that. Day. Read in the Bathtub Day. I forgot to bring that was, pizza. That was the 9th. So that would come together. Don't bring your iPad on the bathtub. <laughs> okay, so going along with everything that we've been talking about today, I have a history story that sort of combines women and what they're doing and whether or not they get acknowledged for it and a little bit of politics, not a whole lot of politics, but um, this is really interesting because it involves a group of women called the Censorettes. The Censorettes. They are not singers. They are not dancers. But they were employed in World War II in Bermuda by the British Imperial Postal and Telegraph Censorship Department. Huh. Who were these Censorettes? They were English girls of college age that were given the opportunity to go to Bermuda to censor mail that was going between Europe and the United States. And it was their job to suss out any um, mail that looked suspicious that might be tied to any of the... Now, when you uh, say mail, you're not saying M-A-L-E. No, no, M-A-I-L. The other would have been interesting, but it's just mail. So that was their job, to find any suspicious mail that might be tied to uh, spying activities. And they had grueling days, They, um, but they they were in Bermuda, so they got some time off. But they were the censorettes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they worked out of a, a hotel called the Princess Hamilton Hotel. And it turns out that um, the reason that Bermuda was chosen is because that's where um, the transatlantic mail passing through the island, the planes had to stop in Bermuda because it was a staging point and they had to stop for gas. So while the planes were on the ground, the mail then was taken to the censorettes and they went through it and sealed it back up. No one ever knew that it was looked at, but any of the mail that was suspicious, they kept for extra testing. So there were a thousand people working in Bermuda at the time, checking to see if these letters contained messages in invisible ink or if an extra period was there, if there was a hidden message was there. So those, the, the censorettes, were, were, were busy during the time between 1939 and about 1942 or a little bit later. So all correspondence was sent to or from Europe, was examined and intercepted and photographed if necessary. And it actually led to the identification of several German spies. And there was a very celebrated case that came out of this, which is why I'm talking about it. And it played a key role in the uncovering of the largest 
Nazi espionage operation in America. Mm. Who knew? Because we've never heard of the censorettes. Why haven't we heard of the censorettes? Especially, the if especially if they're checking out an extra period, and they wouldn't want to be censoring all the messages <laughs> on Facebook today, I'll tell you that. That's for sure. Anyway, authorities in both the U.S. and uh, the United Kingdom had concluded that there was a spy ring, and it was operating out of New York. But the first break came when a young lady whose name was Nadia Gardner, who was one of the censorettes, um, thought that there was something suspicious in one of the, the letters, and she thought there might be invisible um, ink in that letter. She sent it to the lab, and they said, no, there's nothing there, carry on. And she said, no, I know there's something. To use something that we were given as a complete gift by Mitch McConnell, <laughs> nevertheless, she persisted. And I love that because this is a talk. She persisted and she sent it back to the lab. Still nothing. She said, no, use one of the older techniques in finding it. There's something there. And the lab said, look, this is the last time we're going to do that. And she said, I know there's something there. So they did. They tried a, um, a, a, an older uh, a test, and sure enough, there was invisible ink. And uh, it had to do with some German spies named uh, Reinhard Heydrich, who used the name Lothar Frederick in one of his mails, and Frederick Ludwig, who signed his Joe K. Well, once they discovered that um, these letters were from the German spies, now the FBI and the British uh, started to look for who these spies were and to tie them in to spy rings. So when, when they, when they um, started looking, it was very well known that the Lothar part was an alias who was used by this very high-ranking Nazi official. So the watch was set for any further letters uh, that had this Joe K signature. So subsequent letters from Joe K were intercepted, the contents read and recorded, and the envelopes so, envelopes so carefully resealed that the recipients never knew that there was a sign of tampering. So now let's see what's going on outside of Bermuda. About the same time that the letters were found, a very interesting incident happened in New York City. A man carrying a brown briefcase made the attempt to cross the street against traffic in New York, hit by a taxi, thrown under the wheels of a car, and died. Ouch. He was with a companion. Did the companion stop to help him? No. The companion grabbed the suitcase, briefcase, and disappeared. So the information about this Joe K ring had been given to the FBI, and they started to look a little deeper into who this guy was who died in the, the briefcase taken away. Initially, he had come into the United States as a Spanish courier, but the more they looked, they found his clothes had no labels. There were German um, documents in the, you know, in his room. So they realized something, something was up. And it, when they, they looked further, they realized that he was a German spy that had come into the United States from, from Japan. The girls back in, in the censorette now got another letter. Um, which, was, which was very panicky, saying that um, a New York car um, uh, um, ran down a man whose name was Phil. 
this is getting a little complicated. I'm trying to keep it pretty clear. So the censorettes, the censorettes informed the FBI that Phil could be that Spanish courier. So that led to the FBI looking even a little further and ultimately identified the Joe K as a um, a very high-profile German agent named Ludwig, and they placed him under surveillance. And after surveillance, they arrested him and indicted him for treasonable conspiracy and espionage, and they destroyed the whole ring at that time. So the censorettes were, some of them, including the, the Nadia, were flown to New York to testify against the spies. So because their spying was undertaken before the U.S. entered World War II, they escaped the death penalty but were sentenced to long prison terms. So if Nadia had not persisted in saying there really is something under here, the FBI and the British would not have been mm. able to. And of course, the odd coincidence of the, the, the guy being run over and the companion yes. taking. So it's a really odd strange it is an odd story yeah it's an odd little odd story now february moving on february the 12th is darwin day so happy birthday um birthday in 1809 and mr darwin you'd be proud to know that many of us are dedicated to ensure that evolution is still alive and well in science classes all over North America. Although it's still under attack. And we will try to defend you again, sir, from the new cabinet member in the Trump administration. <laughs> he would be amazed if he was around so today. Mr. Falwell, oh, he truly would. Mr. Falwell is now in charge of education, <laughs> so we will be doubly, doubly diligent. Oh, Happy and birthday, Chuck. Yeah, and that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre, but persistent events and people that make up this day in history. Thank you so much, Nancy. And this is the point where we usually go to commercial and stuff like that, but we're not going to do that today. Because I, would, I would just like to say that I hate when people say that we subscribe to Darwinism, because seriously, Darwinism just doesn't exist anymore. He was wrong about so many things. I mean, he obviously got natural selection correct, but... Well, yeah. I, mean, I, think, I think a lot of people say because he got natural selection correct, uh, do you think that we subscribe to social Darwinism or something like that? That's not the case. Well, he wasn't even the, the first... Slope argument. He wasn't even the first person to think of it. He was just the one that came up with the mechanism, right? Yeah, so yeah. It was his science in its infancy. He started it. So yeah, evol- evolution goes back to, like, the Greeks more than 2,000 years ago, so... But we still celebrate you, sir. Yes, for, for your, sure. For, for the things that you did do and the ways that it's, it's led other scientists to investigate evolution. He's, he's still my guy. Well, speaking of celebrated scientists, this is... Things that make you go... Hey, I've got a nice little story here. Our favorite astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He just uh, warns that the scientific illiteracy is a threat to the nation. He was speaking to a nearly sold-out crowd at the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. The, um, he was addressing the current crisis in scientific literacy that plagues the U.S. Tyson told the audience that, quote, Americans overall are bad at science, while warning that the consequences of science illiteracy could be devastating. Americans overall are bad at science, scared of math, poor at physics and engineering, resistant to evolution, this science illiteracy is a threat to the nation. The consequences of that is that if you breed a, you breed a generation of people who do not know what science is 
nor how or why it works, you have mortgaged the future financial security of your nation. Innovations in science and technology are the basis of tomorrow's economy. Very true. In his remarks, Tyson compared the U.S. to the Middle East a thousand years ago, noted that just look back to a thousand years ago in the Middle East, he says, where math and science flourish in Baghdad. Algebra and algorithm were invented in the Middle East, so were Arabic numerals and numbers we still use today. But when a new cleric emerged during the 12th century, he declared math and science to be earthly pursuits, and good Muslims should be concerned about spiritual affairs. Doesn't that sound familiar? Mm. The scientists drifted away, the scientific, uh, scientific literacy faded down from that part of the world. Of the 655 Nobel, Nobel Prize awarded in the science since 1900, Tyson said only three have been awarded to Muslims. Any thoughts? Tyler, I'm sure you got a thousand thoughts on this. I really do. Um, the, the thing I really like about Tyson is that his major, major criticism was that the reason politics isn't working in the United States is because they're all businessmen and lawyers. I like, totally agree with that. So I, I don't necessarily want to go back to the whole Plato, philosophers, kings thing, but it would be nice to actually have some people with real-world experience, especially, you know, me. I think we should elect an evolutionary game theorist, but still, businessmen and or lawyers, lawyers, and they're the ones that are making all these decisions, and, well, I mean, Trump is pretty nope. much the poster boy for businessman becoming president of the United States. Nobel so, Peace Prizes though, they're, they're predominantly kind of controlled by like the West and uh, they don't have very good relations with the, the Muslim world. Muslims well, are underrepresented. We're not talking about Peace Prize necessarily here. Yeah. We're talking well, about like, science, right? Yeah, for like earlier he said, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said like only a certain amount of Muslims have been awarded any kind of prestigious award. It's because they're controlled by America basically. <laughs> because they I don't have know. very much of a connection with Iran and Turkey and like Except to fight them. I don't know. We just talked about this woman that just won the field award in math. And she's Iranian, right? Yeah, no, I'm just, yeah, I know. I'm just saying that it's disproportionate. Like, there's less Muslims because they're not awarding it because America controls that. You, well, are you saying it's it's politics? That's why we're not seeing more Muslim winners? Yeah, absolutely. I would um, like to see numbers on they, that. They don't have enough free time and they're too busy executing people and worrying <laughs> about what they're doing. <laughs> But actually, there's there's this good article. I think it's from the CBC, and it was Canada ranked top out of 35 countries for science. Like your average Joe type of Canadian. Yeah, so it's like a quarter of Americans think that the sun revolves around the earth and, you know, winter comes from where you are and that sort of thing. But Canada's doing a lot better. I mean, I'm surprised by that because I know so many idiot Canadians, <laughs> yeah. like almost a total, not necessarily like the, the mayor of Chilliwack, who's a creationist. No, and, uh, I'd just like to clarify though, like when I was talking about like Muslims not getting it, I'm not saying that Muslims are not capable of because, like, I mean, Iran's got a nuclear program, obviously, like, yeah. so like that's very advanced science, right? I, well, I think, I think, I think your, your comment though of saying it's political in some ways because it's controlled by the West, I don't know, I think, I think that's that's you almost without wanting to offend you you're almost dueling into conspiracy theory when you say that oh it is yeah it's a big conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't think Saudi Arabia is too focused on you know making the scientific journals but I do have a complaint oh um, I saw started uh, to my office Pope Francis I saw you post something about some Iranian scientist created a car that runs on water 
I mm. wanted to ask about that because the source was kind of sketchy, and I looked no, it I up. Just, I just asked what people thought about it, that's all. Oh, okay, because I wasn't sure if it had been confirmed or debunked, and I looked, and all I found was really, really crappy sources. No, so. I just, you know, I just uh, often I'll put a post like that when I see something like that, and I'll just say, well, what do you people think? You know, that's why I say thoughts, you know, what people think about it. That uh, would be good if it was true, though, That'd be because that would be a major scientific breakthrough coming from a fundamentalist you know, Muslim kind of country. I yeah, but we wouldn't know that so. Big Auto would quash it so fast. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I mentioned it. I was just wondering if you had some actual decent sources that are, or not, because that's a pretty big deal. No, I like to I like to pose these things like that. On one you just like pissing people off. Yeah, look who's talking here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on on uh, speaking of. Um, Pissing people off. Uh, the level of stupidity polluting American society is getting completely out of hand, and one wonders just how far the population would devolve into abject idiocy when it's all said and done. Now that America is uh, as an honest uh, to dog Christian supremacist, a heartbeat away from the presidency, and we're talking about Pence here, obviously. Uh, and uh, an incoming president who has uh, no interest in domestic or foreign policy, the fanatical religious right is poised to put some serious stupid in the next generation. Apparently, evangelical fundamentalists, all 13.2% of them, are appealing to preacher Pence by petition and demanding that he, as head of domestic policy, inform a dilatory Donald that it is crucial to immediately issue an executive order of indefinitely banning evolution science is nothing but an anti-Christian nasty religion that has no place in the public school science curriculum. I didn't see what Kenneth Miller says about this. Who's Kenneth Miller? What? I know the name. Uh, he destroyed Michael B. in oh, the intelligent design yes, yes, yes. over Pennsylvania trial. You know, these people are still pushing that Michael B. thing. Uh, yeah, so many times I have to go, you know, stop, stop. Uh, Darwin's black box. And, yeah. Exactly. And Francis Collins, too. You know, we should really see... Even just a little complexity. I have some friends who actually get their work published on BioLogos, which is Francis Collins's, you know, Christian biology website. Mm-hmm. We should get them on here. They're from the States, and they have peer-reviewed published articles. I mean, their, sure. belief, their belief in God is definitely logical fallacies. But either way, uh, something needs to be done about the states because they're going the Milton Friedman way, like how do we profit off public school, that kind of thing. Oh, yes, I know. That's a big problem. And we're going to see that. The United States are in the trouble of losing an entire generation to this kind of thing. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic here. Despite Betsy DeVos and, and uh, Jerry Falwell's son and... Mike Pence um, wanting to totally gut the school system and bring creationism, you know, into the to the forefront. When the creationists have tried to keep um, uh, their curriculum uh, of intelligent design in the science classes, the court has beat them almost every time. There are a lot of organizations. In the in the states and, and probably internationally too, that at this point are on full alert. It, it, it's not that they're going to have to come from behind the eight ball. They're going to be coming from um, a, a a pretty successful record I, I being totally able agree. to separate church and state. I agree with you, Nancy. It's one of the complaints I have towards a lot of atheists. You know, because they they use that excuse that excuse. You know, of oh, well, the courts all all rule in our favor. Of course, but you know what? The, the Christian right is always on the attack. That's They're true. always on the attack, and eventually they wear you down. And eventually, it just takes one judge, one idiot, one Scalia, one moron like that to basically turn it around. Well, that's what but I was. But that get- one, that one judge 
is subject to appeal. The Constitution separates church and state. I'm, and just, I'm just saying that as atheists, yeah. we're not fighting enough. Well, I think we, we're too I passive. Think, I, really, <clears throat> I really think that um, because of the resistance of this toward this administration mm -hmm. and because the protests have now been set into motion, I think that the fervor to get this done, the motivation, is is probably you know best at this point rather than than, oh, than I last time. Right. I I really think people are are really motivated to to save democracy from uh, the, the Trump and his in his cabinet. Okay, but right. Francis, you yes. know that that Dover, Pennsylvania trial thing. Yes. right? all Bush had to do because he was the one that appointed that judge was find a creationist judge. Like he could have actually found intentionally found a creationist judge, and he didn't. Luckily, mm -hmm. I mean. It was a right-wing appointed judge that said creationism is bullshit, which we just got lucky with. But a lot of the protests and stuff that are happening in the States are just so easily ignored. You know that thing you posted about how protests working or whatever? Yes. I shared it a few different places. Mm -hmm. and I saw that too. And I posted that, uh, why do the French uh, protest so much? Mm -hmm. And it does work if you actually are costing people money. So if you're, block if you're blocking off doors or boycotting or that kind of thing. But if you're just marching in the streets with signs and being annoying, that's so easy to ignore. And, and they're, it's, just, they're it's, just ignoring it. It's hard also for the public to understand because yeah. you, you see uh, Joe Public will, will always say, well, you know, I've got no problem with you protesting, but what, do you need to block my road? You know, mm. and you know what if there's an ambulance or blah blah, blah these stupid things? Yes, protests are about disrupting what goes on and costing money. One of the things that's happening is that the protests are leading to organized groups that are uh, for civil rights, um, for um, for being a watchdog, for going along with the, the ACLU, Planned Parenthood. And from the, the protests, people are moving into more sophisticated groups mm -hmm. that um, actually address the problems more directly by um, uh, going to the town hall meetings, sending postcards and calling. Public pressure, <coughs> it, 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 I think in the end, Will will help. Yeah, as long as you don't fall for the, the but, government but thing the of protest, putting the protest is the for people get mad and they take to the streets. Yeah, but there has to be something to change that move that moment into a movement. I agree. And I believe that that's what their function and is. Yes, it mustn't just stop. And remember, no. Occupy uh, Wall Street. Well, the right. protest was effective until they decided to just keep it at that. Right. Well, well they should have turned into their own version of the Tea Party. Look at Standing yeah. Rock right now. The protests are doing. Yeah, nothing. that's what I was going to say. There's ten thousand people down at Standing Rock, and they're sending dogs and pepper spray. They need to turn it into a cannons. political force. Water cannons. Yeah, blasting them in the middle of winter in the freezing cold. We need water. to do. We need to do a show on the Second Amendment because I have done some pretty extensive. The second U.S. US Amendment. The Second Amendment with the gun laws. Yeah, we need to do a show on that specifically because I've been tripping up people on the left and the right of me on it because I'm very left-wing, but I've been reading a lot of the quotations from the Founding Fathers and stuff, and it really does sound like that's what they were worried about. It's exactly what they were worried about, that we'd have a huge amount of people who are against the government doing something, and they're just going to send in the dogs and pepper spraying cannons and do it anyways. Yeah. These are unarmed protesters just getting put down. Nobody cares. Nobody really dies. Well, I mean, the listeners. You know, if you guys think we should do that kind of show, send us an email. But yeah. Let them value that outlook. If they com. feel that they're justified in what they're doing to the people at Standing Rock, then why do they keep cutting the feeds? Why do they keep what? Cutting the, the feeds. The media feeds. Yeah. Oh. If what they were doing was righteous and right, 
they wouldn't cut the feeds. They're going to win in the end. The pipeline, I think, will win in the I end. I think so, too. They'll just yeah. push oh, yeah. through and do it anyway. They've already, in, they've already got the military in pushing it through. It's and private security and all this other stuff. But if those people were armed, might be a different story. Yeah, well, 10,000 people with... AR-15. So, well, yeah, you know what? Even if you have ten thousand people with AR-15, you're not gonna you're not gonna stop the U.S. military, right? <laughs> These guys have drones and tanks. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I they're, yeah. the they're not allowed to I just run them over, right? But the protesters are not oriented to violence and guns. No, they, no, that too. You know, the, too. the the Indian the, the tribes that are there, the bands that are there, are doing their best to keep it. Um, civil and to to keep it, you know. We're uh, all over the place with this show today. Yes. Yeah, in well, fact, actually, they they planted people in within the the ranks that are like of the people that are trying to like stand up at Standing Rock to like to instigate stuff. Got a great idea for a show, Olson. Anyway, uh, we'll take a break for now, and we'll be right back with Michael Smith of Poorly Summarized. Stay tuned. If your skepticism is socially conscious and doesn't take itself too seriously, you might like life, the universe, and everything else. Ray Comfort, his big stumper was literally which came first, the chicken or the egg? A lot of the interviews took place in front of a building that said liberal arts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that they're not all science majors. <laughs> Life, the universe, and everything else. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. I don't know, Zoom? Is that still a thing? What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Centre. Please visit our website for more details at bchumanist.ca. Do you know where Saskatchewan is? Probably not. It's in Canada. If you do, you might know a city named Regina. In Regina, there's a studio. And in that studio, there are, at least once a month, a bunch of skeptical atheist geeks and goofballs who get together to do a podcast. We are the Brainstorm Crew, and we're trying to help spread a bit of reason and critical thinking while still having fun. Never taking things too seriously, but still not accepting everything we're told, we go through different topics, exploring them in depth, and often disagreeing. We try to stick to provable facts, and we never trust a myth. That's why we say we're woo-free since 2013. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker under Brainstorm. Or check out our website, brainstormblog.net. I can't promise you'll always agree with us, but I can promise you'll have fun listening to us. All my friends are heathens, take it slow. Wait for them to ask you who you know. Please don't make any sudden moves. You don't know the half of the abuse. All my friends are heathens, take it slow. All right, our next guest is Michael Smith. He is one of the co-hosts of the Holy Sunrise Podcast. He's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Michael, welcome so much to the Valley. Thank you. I'm so I'm so happy you knew all those things about me. Most people don't know that the snazzy dressing and dancing are my my mo. But, um, <laughs> well, actually, you clearly, like, have been paying attention to my social media presence. The the secret is 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 out now. Everybody knows from now on. <laughs> Uh, Michael, uh, your your podcast is quite popular uh, south of the 49th parallel. It might not be as well known in Canada, 
would you be so kind to give us your story and how the podcast started? Sure. Um, well, I, I, I guess, first of all, I should say what type of podcast it is. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. We're a, uh, we're a current event show, a comedy news show. Um, we are skeptical. Like, we're not a... We're a little different from your show in that we're not, we wouldn't fully brand ourselves as a skeptical mm. podcast, even though we both have a skeptical bent. Um, I, I have the role of the kind of the strident vocal um, atheist. Um, uh, J- Justin's uh, a little less forthcoming uh, about just his personal beliefs. Um, like, I love talking about myself. That's totally fine. Justin doesn't, isn't as keen on it. So mm-hmm. um, he's, the, he's the Harvard one. Um, uh, <laughs> it just uh, he kind of directs the show, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, uh, uh, make it weird. And uh, but anyway, so we we cover, but we we lampoon Trump quite a bit. We have a segment like uh, a, a weekly regular segment called Trumped Up, where you have to spot the fake Trump quote out yes, of four I quotes. That. I love that. And uh, it's a fun game. I lose most of the time. It's Justin sets it up. <laughs> then uh, stupid shit. My friends post. We have our listeners via the poorly summarized podcast community group on Facebook. Will send us uh, and people will tweet at us uh, stupid memes that they're you know racist uncle has mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. posted on Facebook and, and we pick the best one we get that week and we make fun of it. <laughs> and then we cover some, uh, you know, funny news stories, you know, two or three um, stories that interest us for whatever reason. And then we wrap it up with a segment called eye candy, which is uh, something having to do with art, architecture and design. Cause I, so by profession, I, I do architecture and, and then as a hobby, I do art. And so we, you know, have a small moment, uh, break, momentary break from from the uh, silliness, uh, the comedy oriented focus of the show, and talk about something a little more, a little more serious at the end. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we started. Um, so we're on episode sixty seven, no sixty eight this week, once a week uh, show. So sixty eight weeks. We started. We had toyed around just in general with the idea of a podcast, how that would be interesting to do, and then I don't know. I don't know. Do you guys talk about Mormonism much on your show? I, like, it hasn't come up when I've the ones the episodes I've listened to. No, we've never done something directly on Mormonism itself, yeah. Uh, yeah. but uh, we certainly will in the future for sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the Mormon presence is not as strong up here. Yeah, there's there there's there are some um, Mormon like fundamentalist communes mm-hmm. like or communities of I think in BC, um, but uh, they're not related. They're not directly related to the big LDS church they're you know those the fundamentalist offshoots uh, but I've, I've been reading uh, Under the Banner of Heaven um, by John Krakauer and uh, he uh, he's I didn't realize that there was there were Canadian polygamists um, until reading that but yeah, anyway about the Bible um, community there uh, yeah but so anyway the LDS church uh, about a year ago a uh, year ago November um, or it'll be two years in November um, the, uh, they came out with a a policy change that didn't allow the um, children of homosexuals to be baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, so this upset a lot of people. Um, it upset me, but I don't really, I, I mean, I'm not Mormon anymore. I was raised Mormon, but I left about uh, three years ago. Mm-hmm. But my co-host, although he's a, you know, he's a skeptic, uh, he's, a, he's just more involved with the LDS church than I am. So he was a little more 
uh, probably upset about it and felt a little more in, inspired to want to be able to talk about it in a public way. Um, so we just started the podcast. We didn't have a name. We didn't have, we weren't sure what we were going to be. <laughs> we just, we just kind of, uh, we just started, um, we started, uh, talk with kind of that as a main issue that first week and then let it kind of evolve over time, um, into what it is now. And, uh, now we've got a lot of momentum and, um, we've got a, a good, a strong audience and, uh, that are, is actively participate and uh, it's a lot of fun. Fantastic. So, so, so since you know so much about the Mormonism, so if if you're not baptized as a Mormon, but you still believe in in uh, in, in Kolob and all that, does that mean you kind of only get an asteroid instead of a plant when you die? <laughs> you you kind of demoted. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's. Uh, Hmm. I, you know, I'm not a theologian, um, so I'd have to uh, I'd have to uh, research that a little more. But uh, uh, but the problem is, is that I find a theology to be profoundly boring, so I'm not going to find you the answer to that question. Um, but uh, no, Mormons Mormons don't actually one to one believe they get just a random planet. It's bigger than that. Oh, it's bigger Mormons than believe that. that it's like you get like you know God, like whatever God is, like the Christian kind of conception of god sort of like mm-hmm. ruler of the universe yep. you become that Ooh. to some other universe so uh-huh. you don't just get a planet you get like that's a hell of a promotion oh yeah so it's like are you kidding like like a planet that's just like small time dude oh wow you're getting your whole you're getting your like your own dimension motherfucker i'm obviously not ambitious enough to be a mormon no, clearly not. <laughs> it's only only the best and the brightest. Uh, we, uh, well, like rules me out right we, away. <laughs> we just listen. People interested in planets need not apply. Okay. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> so the the idea of doing comedy news is a seemingly a fairly recent phenomenon in, in the states. I mean, by recent, I mean. The past couple of decades or so, comedy's always been around, obviously, but to merge comedy with news like that all the time uh, is fairly recent. Do you find it a very efficient way to bring um, a message to your audience? Mm. Okay, so that's a really good question, and uh, it's one we have been at, we're asking ourselves quite a bit, uh, this, the relationship between news and comedy. And so we started, um, we started the show not thinking of ourselves as a comedy news show, but as a new so, some uh, a show that's about news first, comedy second, mm. right? Just you know, just comedy as a vehicle to keep it entertaining, um, but with the primary objective of informing people and getting on highly informed guests on certain subjects. Um, we, one of our friends who was involved with with helping us produce the show, you know, was was a a policy writer mm-hmm. um, for the U.S. government. And uh, um, so we were trying to be pretty pretty wonky. Um, I think is the term wonky. Uh, just try to come, out with, come at it with a certain level of expertise. And then we quickly discovered why, like, news podcasts are done by news professionals. Okay. It's because it's not sustainable to stay informed enough well, in our experience, at least for us, like we're a couple of smart. Justin's particularly smart. I'm smart enough, but <laughs> like we we just thought being smart was enough. I think, and then you realize like staying ahead, at, like being on top of the issues to cover really heavy topics and provide novel opinions that aren't just kind of soundbitey takes a lot of research. I'm not saying it's impossible, but like 
my work schedule is pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin's a professional. We, I mean, we just have a lot on our plates. So we started to um, lean over time, evolve to lean more towards the comedy. Um, just because it's, you know, it's easier to be fun. It's, it's, it's a little more, t- it requires less research to be funny. Yes. And we, in some of the articles, kind of the comedy writes themselves with, with the topics, but we still, again, it's comedy focused, but we're still covering serious news and trumped up. We still like, we usually, when we're addressing the stupid shit, my friends post, it's, it's, it's addressing a current issue that's mm-hmm. getting a lot of media attention. Mm-hmm. So we do cover some new stuff. Don't get me wrong, but really it's, it's just comedy because being ultra informed is not, is too hard. Don't! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and also, is there maybe sometimes when you get too much news, you kind of get this uh, uh, talking head show and people kind of tune out after a while? Yeah. So for those to work, I think there's some good, like The Weeds by Vox or Political Gab Fest by Slate. These are really good. Um, but like to, for, for to, be, to be that kind of show, to be really good, like the people that do it are super, super smart mm. and super informed and are journalists. They're, that's all they do is they write for... Uh, they they just write full time and they're on you know they're public personalities so it's possible but we I just you know we're just not that we're just not them mm-hmm. um, and we we're particularly interested in providing uh, even though it's pretty generic comedy news show under the umbrella of that I guess fairly generic and common uh, podcast type we really want to provide something unique and some a distinct product. Like, like, for example, on that note, one thing I don't mention is uh, I try to every week. I don't do it every week, but, like, I take the stories after we record on Saturday morning. Yes. That night, Saturday night, I go out and I interview strangers at, like, bars. All I remember about the last two months is giving a guest lecture at Villanova. I remember it was a street corner. Mm. And get their, get their take, you know, ask them weird questions. Like, like last week, we covered a story where a woman... Um, this woman's licking people's eyeballs, like to heal them of eye ailments. Suddenly I see, me, I see. And <laughs> so we joked, and that was just more of a funny kind of light topic. But then I went around and asked strangers if they would lick my eyeball. That sounds more like something Eli Bosnick would do. Why does everybody say that? <laughs> oh, you know, you never heard? No, no. So I only listen to Eli um, on uh, which P.S. Eli Bosnick maybe. He and uh, Jesse Thorne mm-hmm. um, are my two favorite podcast personalities. They're they're hilarious. But anyway, um, I listen to him on um, God Awful Movies. Yes. that's like I, I don't listen to Skeptocrat. I, not not for no reason. I, I like I just haven't. La- last summer, he actually posed with Ray Comfort and actually licked Ray Comfort's eyeball. That's why everybody says that. Is that why the, the is that who Ray is that the his profile picture on Facebook? Oh, I, I I don't know. I haven't seen his profile picture on Facebook, but I, that's most likely it. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm not. I don't know Eli personally, but um, uh, I would. Uh, yeah, I've, but I've you know. Just now you now you know. <laughs> now you know. Well, tell listen. Do you know Eli? Well, not personally, no. But uh, he uh, he so has come on the show. You could tell Eli he can lick my eyeball anytime he wants. I will make sure to pass on the message. Yeah. <laughs> now, so did I answer your? I'm trying. Did I answer your question? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Okay. Now, uh, you guys obviously, since you're doing a, uh, it is a new show, like it or not, it's a comedy show, but also a new show. You guys sort of have a bit your 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 thumb on the pulse of what's going on in the states. What do you What do you think <laughs> the biggest stories coming up that people we should really keep an eye on? 
Ooh, gosh. That's a good um, question too, isn't it? <laughs> well, right now it's just like it's hard to really have our my finger on the pulse because Trump is such a distraction. Oh, yes. There's all kinds of things happening all the time, right? But, but like, you know, Trump, like any given tweet that Trump says is tragic enough to discuss. Mm-hmm. Like, um, do yourself a favor and never scroll through his Twitter feed. Uh, or is, is, it's absurd. But so, so other than the obvious that's Trump, like, I'm, you know, the one, the one thing that we have kind of been involved with quite a bit, just like a story that resonates with us quite a bit. I, I should also point out that like, we're not libertarians. Uh, I definitely not Justin maybe is libertarian leaning, but like, you know, his wife is uh, director of polling at Cato Institute, which is the mm. main uh, libertarian think tank. And we've had Cato people on the show. And so some, some of those issues, uh, liber- libertarians um, are, can, you know, I'm more of a liberal, and uh, libertarians and liberals overlap quite a bit. But there's, if there's one issue that that we address a lot, it's freedom of speech. Um, so freedom of speech on college campuses, um, we um, we find ourselves probably a little more on the libertarian side, where we're a little concerned mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. Ab- about restrictions on freedom of speech that that are kind of imposed via cultural norms on campuses. But that, that, that depends on if that interests people that are, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how important that is, but for me, that's just a, like, overall, that's like, uh, freedom of speech is, um, I don't think it's uh, the, under attack the way that, like, uh, we are Trump conservative would think, mm-hmm. especially because they don't re- actually believe in freedom of speech the way I would. Um, but uh, um, I'm trying to think, like, what's going on with everything Trump and like him getting like his cabinet picks and his oh um, I know I know and his conflicts of interests it's like it's I almost feel irresponsible telling people to pay attention to anything else I totally get but, it I, and you know what I I will say right now Michael maybe you can do me a favor uh, on behalf of all Canadians I just I just read on the Huffington Post that apparently the ambassador to Canada might be Sarah Palin keep your moronic queen out of here we don't oh want her. God. Can you guys do this for us? You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> oh my um, god! <laughs> wow, I, I I can't I can't imagine that happening. That's not going to happen. Oh, I sure it's hope you're right, that man. That can't happen. Like, that would be the most troll thing to do. I guess Sarah Palin would argue that uh, they'll be like the argument would be like, well, Alaska's in between the intercontinental <laughs> U.S. Right. Right. and Canada, so thus it would make sense. Just like it would her foreign policy experience. Um, she has foreign policy experience because she can practically see Russia from her that's backyard. Right, that's right. She could probably uh, see Canada from her backyard too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's a good hey, that's as good an argument as any. Yeah, I um, I hope I hope you're right by saying that's not going to happen. However, you know we kind of have to say that we also thought that Trump wouldn't happen either, right? Oh so, no, yeah, I think that, but he could also pick um, somebody crazier. He could pick an orangutan <laughs> to be the father? ambassador. I don't know what he will do. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I I I, I see. I'm particularly sensitive to not making bets anymore because I bet $750 um, that Trump would lose the election. And so that was a particularly painful night to me because I just thought this was money in the bank. And um, so, you know, and I'll tell you, had I not bet the money, it would have been the worst day of my year, maybe, just Trump winning. But having that much money involved 
that made it like the worst. That was maybe the worst night of my life. Wow. So the point is, I care more about seven hundred and fifty dollars than I do for the welfare of the country. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> oh goodness. So, <laughs> so what's in what's in the what's in the future for poorly summarized? I mean, I really enjoy the show. It's 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 edgy. It's it's fast. It's witty. I love it. Where are you guys taking this? Yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, it's a lot of work. Um, as you you were complimenting me before, and I really appreciate it, you know, we, we, we put a lot of work to make it sound professional. And we both have a lot on our plates. I, you know, I have kids, mm-hmm. um, too, and uh, a very demanding job um, in terms of hours. Um, and so there's always the question of, like, how much more can you put in when, you know, there's a finite amount of hours. But we... We just want to keep. We want to keep trimming the fat, like fi- like finding ways to be funnier, like honing the craft of podcasting. Mm-hmm. So sound can always get a little better. Um, content can always get a little better. Uh, our approach could always get a little edgier over time. Um, but we just want to keep growing, getting like we're really. What we've been trying to do is really develop a community around the show. Um, that's why the podcast community on Facebook is so uh, is so great. Um, that's sort of a place where people can kind of vent without it being, uh, you know, a highly public conversation. It's mm-hmm. not a secret group, but it's, uh, you know, it's not it's not as visible. Um, so, you know, that's where people can vent about politics and or, or just post funny funny stuff. So anyway, yes. getting the community to be bigger. Um, you know, we haven't in any way tried to make money off the show at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that I imagine at some point we will, but. Uh, we're just more interested in creating good content, but it'd be nice to, you know, at least break even at some point financially. Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, well, one day, uh, one day we should almost do a joint podcast to make sure that you have the Canadian side to the story. I think it'd be <laughs> interesting. <laughs> we have, we have. There's one uh, podcast we uh, we we've had. Uh, it's share a slice with Sean. He's Canadian. He's in uh, Quebec. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's he Rebel always used problems. to have an atheist podcast. I forgot what that was called, but now share a slice. He he interviews freaks like that's what he mostly <laughs> he just gets weirdos on. Um, share a so slice. So we have one. You're we you're now our second Canadian connection. So we we've tapped a little bit into the Canadian market. Yes. Um, well, I certainly highly recommend. I, 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 I the gotta say something. Yes, of course. I'm Canada's biggest fan. So <laughs> I did a road trip to the Canadian Rockies. Okay. Um, spent ten days there. Um, and I, I did not realize that one could witness such beautiful things with their eyes. Like I did not know that such beauty existed. It was, I was just breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and Utah is known for its, uh, our desert landscapes in particular are, um, are, uh, uh, you know, iconic, but, uh, but Canada is beautiful and Canadians, God damn, everybody's so nice. Hey, oh! Everybody. <laughs> and every time I travel, like abroad, I meet more Canadians than I do Americans. And I'm like, you know, your country's the size of C- California. Like, yeah, you've got a tenth of the population, yet you're, you're 80% of the tourists <laughs> in other countries. Maybe it's because it's so cold there, you need to get out. Maybe. But, <laughs> That's uh, a good point. <laughs> uh, um, I've, I've really tried to speculate why that is the case, uh, other than just saying that Canadians are more sophisticated than Americans, uh, which... Uh, I would never say that because America is the greatest country on earth. Of course, of course, uh, of course. Just kidding. I, I hate patriotism. <laughs> I'm joking. But um, 
No, anyway, sorry. I, I think I think there's something about uh, Canada that uh, we're just not very good at marketing ourselves. Um, I mean, Americans have always been very good at marketing their country and marketing themselves and all that. Canadians are not that good at doing it. So we're almost like this little secret, you know. People don't think of us as this great, beautiful country. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I guess I can't say what people think, but I think most of us consider it beautiful. You know, we consider it very uh, just mountainous and, and, and pretty, but, like, we don't really... It's still a mystery. It's just a beautiful mystery. Yes. So... Anyway, well, but I'm, I've, I've been evangelizing Canada ever since I got back a year and a half ago. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can appreciate that. And yeah. uh, just remember to tell them that the, uh, if people want to escape uh, Trump's America, they're welcome to Canada. They just have to remember that we have, we have stronger beer. We got a stronger armor down there, men up here. We got stronger beer. And they must prefer hockey over football or baseball for the next four years. Okay, stronger beer. Uh, Utah's um, <laughs> beer limits, by the way, are... Three two beer by weight, four percent by volume. You can't sell unless you're at a liquor store, which there's only state run. At the grocery store, you can only buy four percent by volume beer. Oh, really? Just so you know. But Utah is also beautiful, and you guys need to visit. Oh, absolutely! I, I used to drive down to uh, Salt Lake City on a regular basis when I was uh, oh. when I used to be a truck driver. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool being a truck driver. Trust me, it's not cool at all. <laughs> Oh really? That sounds awesome to me. Like I, I have maybe it's because my only exposure to truck driving is from um, over the top. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sylvester <laughs> Stallone. Uh, no. I just think it's just it's just hookers and arm wrestling, man. <laughs> if only. If only. <laughs> Michael, you've been so kind with your time, but uh, I want to give you the mic. The mic is all yours. Be shameless. Go ahead. Plug yourself. Give us all you you want to. Share out there. Oh man, I've been talking. You know, I'm my favorite subject, so I've been a- doing a great job uh, talking about myself this whole time. It's, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I hope uh, people listening check out our podcast. Uh, like, like I've said, we're we're both uh, really proud of the content. Another thing I mentioned, we we always we have different guests um, every week, um, comedians. Uh, uh, we we just had uh, uh, Julie and. Uh, um, no, sorry, Susie, uh, Susie, uh, and um, Sarah mm-hmm. from the Brain Candy podcast. Mm-hmm. They're they're both from uh, MTV and uh, Real World. Or, no, is it Road Rules? And forgot what other show, but they have an insanely popular podcast, and we had them on, and uh, some great comics, and uh, so we 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 have a really good time. It's fun listening. Um, it makes me feel because we're not trying to make money. It feels good if people listen to reach out and tell us uh, that they like the show. Excellent. But if you hate the show, please just keep it to your goddamn self. <laughs> I got a, I got a, I, I got a, uh, a review on iTunes. Um, all our reviews have been five stars, but there was one review that was a five star review, and this person was like. Oh, it's, this is a great podcast. The only problem is sometimes Mike has such long pauses that I think my, my app is crashed. But then I realize <laughs> it's not me, it's him. And I'm just like, thanks, asshole. I can assure you, I am very aware of my speech impediments when I listen. No, it's, it's all done. It's done for dramatic effect. Dramatic effect, yeah, that's, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I've had the same. I've paused so long that when I'm listening to the show after, I also am like, is there something wrong with my phone? Like, oh, no, it's me. That person was right. Damn you, right person. <laughs> the show is poorly summarized. I highly, highly recommend it. Mike, before I let you go, there's one more little favor I got to ask you. I, can I get you to say, hi, I'm Mike Smith from Poorly Summarized, and I took a left at the valley. 
Hi, I am Mike Smith from Poorly Summarized, and I took a left at the Valley. And that was Michael Smith of Poorly Summarized. Interesting, interesting interview, interesting guest. He'll be back. I'm sure, and we'll have fun with him. I highly recommend you guys watch his show. We Fantastic. Sure good, that was an sure awesome interview. <laughs> we sure get good guests, don't we? We do get good Absolutely. guests. Absolutely. I'm apparently bringing a guest in next week, I'm told. Barack Obama. Yeah, you, but that's who you're supposed to. I thought it was Bernie Sanders. Oh, Bernie you bring Sanders. Bernie Sanders? If you can bring Bernie Sanders in this show. What's the guest, guest next week? Well, I don't know. We're waiting for you to tell me that. Oh, I thought you already, I already picked one. I'm not lost. So we're not even sure what we're playing next week. This is great. But coming up, <laughs> we do have the Brainstorm podcast with uh, Corey Johnson. That's, that'll be at the beginning of March. We also have uh, Brian, uh, Mr. Deity, Brian Keith Dalton. That should be very interesting on the 11th. And we also have Cara Santa Maria on the 18th. Uh, and then we also have Jem uh, Newman from uh, which podcast was that? Let me check here. From life, the universe, and everything else. Ooh, good deal. Another That's Canadian awesome. podcast. We've got a lot of podcasters lately. When's Mr. Deity? That will be March 11th. I've got a bone to pick with him. So. Oh, well. <laughs> you can bow it out on air with him. You've got man. a bone to pick with everybody, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow us on leftandvalley.com. You can follow us on Facebook. Give us a five-star review on iTunes if you appreciate this show. We certainly work hard for it. I hope you guys can enjoy, uh, appreciate that. Uh, follow us on Twitter at LETV Podcast. Anything else you guys want to add? See uh, you next week. Speaking yeah. of bones to pick, uh, Nancy, I want to talk to you after the show. No, <laughs> no I'm just kidding. I'm just that's kidding. it. That's it. I love you guys. You're the best. We're quitting. We're not being airing all this all day. I'm, I'm, not, in, I'm not in the mood to crush you again <laughs> this week. Let's just make up and be friends. <laughs> Until next time, guys. isn't real, but Jesus is, or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them, I think the reason is apparent, you do what you're told, and believe in the God assigned by your parents, I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it, I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith, and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed, I'm an atheist, Take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, pun intended I find it disgraceful That thousands of children are raped by priests And since they're holy men of God They get away scot-free And the Pope does his very best To keep it on the hush Don't wanna affect business He loves money too much We know that they love the kids But how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them We teaching them to respect them Respect them the system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them The parties of God's hands are bloodstained Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful That many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone Speak your mind, time to let it be known I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, 
call it faith and unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed